So then one day there's a girl in our class who says that she went on dicks.com and it wasn't the sporting goods store. My brain had melted and was pouring out of my nostrils at this point, it pooling into my own hands. Dickie, it's your mother. No, you never call me. I mean, I wonder if your finger broken. Just don't tell my mother. It's your mother. 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 No, you never Hello, my family. Welcome back to Don't Tell My Mother and Happy Mother's Day. I hope you guys got to celebrate your moms or yourselves or both. Don't Tell My Mother is where fabulous humans from movies, TV, sports, and comedy tell true stories they'd never want their moms to know. And then they tell their mothers. Today's guest is an Olympic figure skating champion and the first out gay U.S. athlete to compete at the Winter Olympics ever. Plus, he looks baller in a harness. Obviously, guys, I'm talking about the one and only Adam Rippon. Adam's taking us back to the 90s where he first learned about using the modem for scrotum. Plus, his mother Kelly joins in. Here is me and Adam Rippon right after the break. Just don't tell my mother. Just don't, just don't. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, Adam. It's great to have you. I'm so happy that we can be screen to screen and just sit down for a little chat. I am beyond thrilled. Um, Tell me, since, you know, we're not together in real life because of COVID, tell me where you are and what you're wearing. Okay. um, (laughs) (laughs) So I'm in LA and I'm wearing a white t-shirt. I'm actually Mm. wearing um, real pants. Usually I would only dress from the waist up, Uh but I knew that we would be talking today. And I feel like you're in a leather jacket even. You you know, the reason I'm in this leather jacket, to be totally honest, is twofold. Number one, I'm cold and I was wearing a t-shirt. Okay. And number two, I I tried to look kind of cool for this call. So my wife said, wear the leather jacket. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's working. You like it? Yes, it, I love it. I'm okay. almost upset I didn't wear a leather jacket. I think you look wonderful. I'm not wearing Thank pants, you. so we kind of even out, I guess. <laughs> How has this crazy ass year been for you? I mean, it's been wild. Um, I think one for like my mental health has been like all over the place. Yep. Um, but I was really lucky because I got to go to Finland and I was there for almost three months, which is like the legal allotted time to be there. So I was there for quite a long time. How come Finland? My boyfriend lives in Finland. Oh, right. And I think I saw on Instagram that he taught you that you were wearing the wrong sized underwear. Yeah, Nikki. I watched it on Instagram and I cracked up. That really kind of threw me off because for the past, I would say, 15 years, Mm -hmm. 
I just thought that the impression of your underwear should be seared into your body Adam. by the end of the day. And then I've realized that it doesn't need to be that way. And I posted that story on Instagram. And I'm going to tell you the amount of people <laughs> who messaged me and said, oh, my God, that was me. Or, oh, my God, I think I'm wearing the wrong size underwear yes. was like 90 percent of the response I had. Now I I identify as being a medium underwear, but like I know for a fact I'm not a medium pants. How tall are you? I'm five seven. All of me, all five uh-huh. seven of me. I love that. I love that. It's a good size. Well, I'm five feet. It's a wonderful size. Yeah. So I I actually to you I tower over you. You tower over, and I bet people think you're taller than you are. They do. It's my yeah. posture. I think <laughs> it's your personality. It's your personality. It's big. Yeah, the personality adds a few inches for sure. Have you always been like outspoken and just unabashedly you or was there a fuck it moment? Um, There definitely was a fuck it moment. But I think the biggest thing is that like when I grew up, I didn't have like a lot of friends because I was training a lot. And, uh, you know, that training process can be really lonely. It was always this adjustment period. So if I had the opportunity and chance to like meet someone right off the bat, I would need to like kind of be, you know, friendly. And I realized that like my like superpower is that like whomever I'm speaking to, I right away just go into the mindset of this person is my friend already. And it's up to them to decide if they want to go with it or if they're going to like put the brakes on it, which has really led me to making a lot of friends since. Yeah. What a healthy way to move through life. Yeah. With the expectation <laughs> that I will be liked and accepted because I think most of us walk into social situations fearing and expecting literally the opposite. Did you learn that kind of self-confidence or were you just born, you know, a unicorn confident human? It was, I mean, it was definitely something that my mom like instilled in me. Yeah, yeah. But I also think the other thing, like as a competitive athlete, we're always like comparing and measuring ourselves up to the people that we're with. And at the end of the day, like I knew that there would be some events that I I would win and I could be the best at. But I knew that like, especially towards the end of of my career, I knew that I wasn't the best. But I knew that I was good and I knew that like my competitors and my friends, they all really liked me. And like that was what I was best at was like communicating and telling a story. And so like towards the end of my skating career, I even if I was at a competition, I didn't feel like I was competing. I was performing because I was like, I'm an entertainer at the end of the day. Like, that's what I'm really good at. That's the thing I'm the best at. Adam, that is so cool. Oh, thanks. You're so cool. Uh, I appreciate it. It's the leather jacket. But no, no, no. I I love what you're saying. And I heard you say this in an interview once. It's not that I am the best. It's that I'm the most fun. Totally. People can enjoy other people. Even if they don't win, they can enjoy a personality or they can enjoy a performer. Fun is contagious. <laughs> yes. And so is confidence. And I oh, think absolutely. like- and I think like a big part of being confident is being able to um, have great coping mechanisms. So someone who's confident is a good competitor. They can cope well. That's, yeah. I think, the key. Did you ever have a moment where you thought about giving up? Like your confidence was really tested? Yeah, like once a week. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I think that was another thing that I had to learn that was like totally normal, 
that nobody can live at this, like, I am at my best every day. It's just impossible. And I think that knowing that those feelings of doubt are totally normal and push us to a a direction that we necessarily wouldn't have thought to go in. Mm -hmm. I know one of the people in, in your bubble growing up was your mom. Tell me a little about your mom. What was she like growing up and what is she like? What's your relationship like now? I mean, my relationship with my mom now is great. She's like my hero. I think she's just so incredible and smart. You know, I I feel like I'm not qualified to make a decision for a child, but my mom so confidently moved forward and just if something needed to get done, my mom just did it. And and when I think now, like I'm the age that my mom was when I was like growing up, like I am so impressed by her more and more as I get older. Yeah, your mom sounds pretty inspiring. Yeah, she's pretty cool. (laughs) Well, the story you're telling me today takes place in your, you know, formative teenage years. What were you like at that time? You know, if I see videos of myself like that, I, you know, recorded with friends or something like when I was a teenager, like in my early 20s, I just am like, how obnoxious. And I think I'm the reason I don't want to have children because I'm like, they might be that obnoxious. But I, what you know, I, I think like as a kid, I was really trying to find like my place. I was really trying to like figure out like where I belonged. Mm-hmm. And all throughout that, it was like comedy and humor that really like helped me push through. It was a learning process that's still at 31. I mean, it wasn't until last week that I had the right sized underwear. So we're, we're all learning. We're all growing. Yes. Speaking of learning and growing, you are telling a story that is going to knock my 1990s AOL socks off. Adam, tell me everything. Okay, so the story I want to tell you today is about my first crush. The first crushes I had were on on girls because I think that was like that. That's just kind of what everybody did. Of course, like when I think back to it, there was a girl in my preschool class and her name was Dana. And I felt like I was in love with her. But the only thing I really realized was that we used to switch shoes during recess. What? And so I would be like in her like ballet flat like little girl shoes and she'd be in my like you know like uh oshkosh bigosh sneakers so that's kind of that was my first you know real um introduction to love but (laughs) if i really think back to the first time i had a crush on a boy i didn't really know it at the time but now i'm like duh it hits me like a ton of bricks when i think about it yeah yeah um i was in fifth grade And um, in fifth grade is like when there's a lot of chemistry changing in our bodies. And um, I was in fifth grade and there was this boy. I'll just call him uh, Brett Michaels. Wait, why do I know that name? Because he isn't what is isn't Brett Michaels like a musician or something? Okay, we'll call him Brett. We'll call him a fake Brett Michaels. Yeah, Brett Michaels. Two good first names. I like it. Yeah. So I used to go to a Catholic school. I used to go to Our Lady of Peace in Clark Summit, Pennsylvania, alum, bragging. (laughs) Um, And um, in, you know, it it was a small school. So each grade had about 60 students that were broken up into two class. So if if you were you were in one one or one two or two two and two one. I still remember I was in one one. I was in two one. I was in three one. I was in four two. I was in five two. Like, I still remember all of like my what what those things stay with us. Yes, they yeah. do. It's yeah. seared it's into funny. my mind. Yeah. So 
in second grade, I knew that there was this like boy who got kicked out of school because he not to like attack anyone, but he brought a gun to school. <gasps> what? Yeah. In yeah. second in second grade? Yes. Brett Michaels brought a gun to school and a he got kicked gun. out. A real I, I don't know. I don't know if he just said it was or like, I don't know. But this is all I heard as a second grader. This was how it trickled down the five, one, four, one, three, one, all the way the two, one. Yeah, exactly. So um, Brett Michaels was kicked out of school. I can't wait until, and I'm assuming, of course, Brett Michaels is a huge fan of us, that he will listen to this. Of course he will. Um, so Brett Michaels got kicked out of school and he um, then came back to school in the fifth grade. Okay. And I just remember, you know, Brett Michaels was just, he was a, like, he looked older too. You know, I think bringing a gun to school in second grade ages you because it aged him. Yes, clearly the mark of an old soul. And he was like a, you know, he was <laughs> like, like a bad boy, but he was nice. And now looking back, I'm like, oh my God, I obviously had a crush on Brett Michaels. And so he one day had this Lisa Frank folder and asked if we wanted to see what was inside. And of course, I said, yes, I need to see what in this what's in this <laughs> folder. Like, are you insane? So Brett Michaels opens up the folder and inside is porn. <gasps> this is the first time I've ever seen a breast that wasn't my own. Um, and I immediately was like, you know, you know, sometimes when you're watching a movie and you see the characters thinking and then they like zoom into their brain and it's like fireworks. Going yes, off. yes. That was that was me with this like Lisa Frank of porn. What was the porn of? Like, what, I mean, besides the like it was just a breast or more, more than a breast? No, it was literally the most basic like whatever. But, you know, in fifth grade, it's like the wind hits your pants right and you're it's over. <laughs> It's over. So I um, remember like looking at this folder of um, uh, of porn and just being like, oh, my God. And so that became like our tradition. But there was one day that this is sort of like I remember as the moment of like, uh oh, like I might <laughs> I might not be just here for the boobs. So um, one of the pictures that was in this folder of porn was um, a lady was sitting on top of something, which I couldn't tell what it was. But she was holding this thing that looked like a broomstick <laughs> or like a large can of Pringles. So I asked Brett Michael and I go, uh, what's that? And he goes, that's a dick. <gasps> and my heart was in my throat. One, because the only thing I had seen was my like micro fifth grade penis before I didn't have any clue that it would grow. Oh my God, you were so innocent. So I, he says that and then he looks at me with the confidence of like, uh, you know, this is what I knew what it was, why he was older. He definitely failed a few grades for sure. Yeah. So he said, is that your favorite part? <gasps> Hitting what? on me. Yes. And I said, no. I was so shocked, but he didn't like, like he didn't say it in a judging way or anything. It was just like, I was so taken back. The, this fifth grader. I'm dying. Yeah. It was um surreal. It was surreal to me. 
So this kind of like opened the Pandora's box of like, what is porn? How do I watch this? And I was more keen to know about the human body per se. So then one day there's a girl in our class who says that she went on dicks.com and it wasn't the sporting goods store. (laughs) Oh my God, I'm done. My brain had melted and was pouring out of my nostrils at this point and pooling into my own hands. And I'm thinking, oh my God. So I came up with this plan. This was maybe 2001. How old are you at this time? 12. 12. Oh, the 12. Oh, 12. Yeah. Oh, 12. So she says this. And so I'm thinking, well, I can't go on dicks.com because like, you know, it's 2001. Our family we were lucky enough to have one computer, uh-huh. like a family computer in the living room with dial up internet. So how was I going to go on dicks.com with everyone in the room? Obviously, that's not Nikki. You know that that's not an option. Mm, and you know, I also we, know you have like you have like five other siblings. Yes, I'm yeah. one of six. Oh, so dicks.com during the day was not in the cards for me. And I knew that. So then I decided, OK, I'm going to just get up really early. I'm going to get up so early and I'm going to be able to go on dicks.com alone. So I set an alarm for like 530 or whatever. And I already like set the stage where I said, oh, I'm just going to get up early. So if you hear like an alarm, don't worry, or me walking around, like I'm just getting ready for school. So I wake up early and I go down and, you know, I'm doing the dial up, hearts pounding out of my chest. And I go on dicks.com and she was right. It was not the sporting sport. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I want to hear more right after the break. Just don't tell my mother. Just don't, just don't. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I was looking at all of these dicks and I just, I couldn't believe my eyes. Different shapes. Yes. Different colors. Oh, my God. I wasn't ready, Nikki. (laughs) And I don't know if I'd be ready today. But I set my alarm every morning to go to dicks.com. Every morning you got up at like six for dicks? Six for dicks. That was my morning cup of coffee. That was my, my vitamins. It got you up in the morning, so to speak. So to speak. Jesus Christ. So then this also, let me just go back for a second, because I also at this point, I don't even know what like jerking off is. Yeah, you're young. Okay. Who told me what it was? Brett Michaels. What? Yeah. So he was like, do you feel like your penis is getting hard? And I'm like, (laughs) "Ah!" like looking around. I'm like, what is everyone else saying? And everyone's like, Yeah. (laughs) And he was like, when you go home, then he was like, you know, do this. So like, then of course, the next day, this like group of five boys come together and we're talking about like, 
and you know, not not everyone did it all the way. They were scared that something happened, and you know, Brett Michaels is like, no, that's normal. And that, I, I mean, so then now, you know, fast forward to me being on dial-up internet at what? six a.m. Internet Explorer, Windows ninety-five, and it changed my world. Then it was just sort of like the the whole figuring out like how to find more porn because yes. there's only so many times you can see the opening page of dicks.com before you're like, I've seen it. Oh my God, is that what, is that all you were looking at was literally the homepage? And because you were just- I was too scared <laughs> to start like going oh. through it. But it was kind of through that experience that planted the seeds for me that I was like, oh, I think I'm gay. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. When you had that thought of like, oh shit, I might be gay. What did you do next? Or was it a secret you just kept inside? I truly, truly can still like vividly remember telling myself that, oh, it's just a secret that I'll like have okay. forever. Like I won't say anything to anyone. Wow. I, um, and it's just so weird to like sit here today and like actually talk about it still. Yes. Um, you know, I get it's almost like 20 years later, but yeah, I still, I still remember that. And just like, oh, this is just something that like, and I was like, oh, I'll be fine because like, I don't think like it was just hard because like there was no like example of like what being gay was. Cause I, my only impression of being gay was like, you know, Jack from Will and Grace. Yeah. Um, right. Who I'm so grateful for those like rep- that representation and everything. Yeah. And but like it was really that I I was to perceive that being gay thought that like you thought women in the female body was like disgusting. And I was like, I don't know if I do. So maybe I'm not. And it's OK. It's just something that I just will never talk about. Did your mom ever find out you were watching porn on the family computer? I don't know if I'm I'm curious and that's what I want to ask her today is I want to know because I know there was one situation where my mom did find the remnants of porn before I came out. This is like a, a few years before I came out. I yeah. had a, a laptop that um, obviously I was doing research on Nikki. Uh-huh. I'm a scholar. It. Yeah, you are. And, and a gentleman. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And so um, I uh, thought that, you know, everything was like, you know, all cleaned up off that computer and I gave it to like a a younger sibling. Oh, no. And I remember my mom calls me in a panic one day and she tells me what she saw on the laptop and that like, if there's anything that I want to talk about, it's okay. And it was just like, oh, it was mortifying. But I don't think we've ever talked about it since. Well, there is no time like the present. And you said this would be a good opportunity for us to call Kelly, your mother, and unburden your soul. (laughs) Adam, let's call your mother. Let's call my mom. Hello. Hi, mom. Hey, Kelly. Welcome to the show. Where are you coming to us from today? Um, north of Scranton, Pennsylvania. I'm probably about 10 miles away from Joe Biden's <gasps> childhood home. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Kelly, I have to tell you, we, we have so much to talk to you about. Oh, boy. Adam told us a story today, and you don't know this story. And um, and I, <laughs> I got his side of it, and I want to get your side of it. Um, Adam, can you tell your mom just a little something about what you t- what you shared with me? Don't worry, mom. This is going to be more shameful for me than it is for you. You're not going to keep telling Um, everyone you're 31 again. No, I already did that. (laughs) Um, Do you remember there was a kid in my fifth grade class who was kind of like a troublemaker? I'm aware. So the first time I ever saw porn, 
was um, because <laughs> this troublemaker kid would print it out from like dial up internet, put it in a folder and then like bring it to school okay. every day. Are you shocked? No. I, I, is this leading somewhere? <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So then this is like uh, the, what I'm asking that what I'm the next thing. <laughs> Adam, next she's thing, ready for more. I apologize because I think I may have like had something to do with like the family computer not working great because I would get up early because <laughs> and see, look at porn yes. then at like you knew that. Yes, because... <laughs> Because you one day you said to me, I don't know how this happened because the screen froze. And you said, I, I oh, was, my God. No, yeah. I don't remember. I, and you're like, really the I don't know. I was I was just doing dicks.com and, and, and this came up and I'm like, OK, just unplug it. She knew, Adam. She totally knew. Oh, my God. OK. I think all kids experiment with looking for like I know. Do you remember when we were in Italy? We went to the the beach, and it ended up being a nude beach. <laughs> yeah, I do remember that. I kind of knew at that time, like you were not into breasts, like most thirteen year old kids. Yeah, I know. Just medically, that. yeah. yeah. So. Okay. <laughs> well, you're a very perceptive mommy. I mean, partially because you have six kids, and partially. Because you wrote the book on parenting, literally. You wrote a book called Parent Up. I read it. I have it here. Read it cover to cover. Kelly, what would you say is like the best or most successful thing you did as a mother? I think the best thing that I did was not doing. Like when somebody would say, I can't do this. I would say, your brain is listening. If you want to be able to do that, mm -hmm. you better figure out a way. I wouldn't say... Oh, no, that's not true. Here's how you do it. Because you know why? Then you you are reinforcing their incompetence. Yes. You're just reminding them that their brain is listening. You're not giving them the answer. You're reminding them their brain is listening. And no, they can't do it because I have to do it for you. Oh, my God. I know. <laughs> I know. She's pretty smart. She is. Well, Kelly, there's a story in the book that like struck me and actually kind of stopped me in my tracks. It's a, it's a time that Adam was asked to be in Stars on Ice mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you asked him to demonstrate a maturity as a 12-year-old or an 11-year-old that I don't think I possess as a 40-year-old. Do you remember that story? Well, he wanted, he got invited to be in the show and I didn't tell him until after he got off the S on the way home. So he kind of got upset with me that I didn't discuss it with him at first. Uh -huh. And then he kind of started getting excited about like who's in the show. And it was like Christy Yamaguchi. Oh, my God. Sato, Kurt Jesus. Browning, uh, Scott Hamilton, Tara Lipinski. Like, uh -huh. who's who of skating was in the show. Right, right. And Adam. And me, yeah. <laughs> so that morning, Adam was like searching for his, I didn't know what it was. And then when he got to the rink, he was like, my autograph book. And I, and I right. just said, Right, he brought Whoa. his autograph book. Yeah. And I'm like, you're in the show. And he's like, I know, but like when we, I could see him lose the moment. Uh. And I said, Adam, you know what? You can either use this opportunity as like incredible fan access. Uh huh. And the next time you see these people, you're going to have to buy a ticket and sit in the audience. Or you could see these people as inviting you to be in their show as their peers. 
and then just play it cool and be a fellow skater in the show, knowing full well that you'll be announced as national champion someday. Damn it, Kelly. Yeah. I All I wanted was my autographs. I know. That is, t- Adam, was that tough for a kid to hear? Like good, but tough? Like you can't. It was, I, I, you know, but it was another thing that it's like one of those like moments in your life where you kind of like remember it forever. Yeah. And I think it's like a moment that I was mad because I wanted my autographs. <laughs> of course, and you were 11. But it's something that like, you know, especially after the Olympics, when I got thrown into doing a bunch of stuff with a lot of different people. Yeah. I yeah. never was in the mindset of like, I'm so excited that I like I was never a fan wow. and I was always a friend right away. And it, it prepared me so that I never felt overwhelmed. Right. I never felt like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm here. I always was like, OK, I'm here. Like, what am I going to do? Well, with I'm it? here and I like deserve to be and here. That's what, that's what it you belong. I be- yeah, oh. I belong. Yeah. That was the big thing that like, you know, even as like a 10 year old, all I wanted was my autographs. But then like in once I got older and was like, you know, all of a sudden it's like, OK, you're going to do a show with Reese Witherspoon. Yes. Like, OK, well, of, of course, like I'll meet Reese. It'll be good. It wasn't like, oh, my God, how am I going to get her autograph? Like we take a picture. It was just like it really just like set the tone for like my whole life to feel like confident in whatever like space mm-hmm. and like own my own space. This is part of where you're authentic, right? Just like what you said, Kelly, believing, truly believing that you belong. Right. Adam, what do you love most about your mother? Um, How, like, determined and quick she is. Like, no matter uh-huh. what she, like, does, yeah. even if she's, like, never done it before, she acts like she's done it, like, one million times and is, like, a professional. That's a danger. It's... That's an Appalachian danger. But it's like, it's one of, it's like probably the quality of my mom. Not like, and this is what I admire about my mom the most. It's right. probably the one that I try to like copy the most in my life. Because like every time it's like, if I don't know what I'm doing or if I'm like, whatever, there's always this voice in the back of my head of like, you know, your mom wouldn't act like she doesn't know what she's doing. Mm-hmm. I love that, Adam. Kelly, what is one of the many things you love about Adam? I just know no matter where I went, people fell in love with him. It wasn't that like the other coaches that were like, he's talented or boy, he's great. It was the snack bar person that says, you raised a good son. He cleans up his table. He always makes sure that like if he sees somebody not being it, you know, doesn't have food or something, he makes sure that he shares or he says, you know, do you need to eat something? Like he's aware of other people around him and not many kids are like that. Selfishly, I'm I wish I had the self-regulation and the and the impulse control because he is really good at that. But <laughs> I did not know that I'm most That's awesome. proud of is mm-hmm. I don't strike people as self-disciplined. I don't think <laughs> this is some, you know, what what my son needs to know or whatever. Don't tell my son I know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You, I mean, for Adam's career, I think, Adam, you probably agree. Like, she was like the number one manager, roadie, MC, Mm -hmm. right? Coach. I mean, everything. I know that, like, I needed someone to, like, be real with me. I needed somebody to be honest with me. But I also needed somebody to just sometimes just be my mom. And my mom was able to, like, take those different hats on and off. Um, did we always like agree? No. 
Did we always like see eye to eye? No, but I think what makes my mom such a great parent is that like we both like we grew and learned together. Well, speaking of learning together, something I learned from the book is that you guys have a rip-on ritual of going around the dinner table and saying something you're grateful for. And I think it'd be really fun to end this episode doing a little gratitude circle around the Zoom room. Adam, do you want to kick us off? Okay, I'm down. Okay. So what I'm grateful for from this conversation is that I got to spend time with two incredible women. Um, and I got to share and talk about my experiences with my mom. And we got to talk about all of the reasons why I think she's so incredible. Mm. And so that's what I'm grateful for today. (laughs) Oh, Kelly. I'm just grateful that you all included me. I love um, having conversations and giving a testimonial. He is who he is. Like there is no, um, this is my on moment and Mm. this is who I am behind the scenes, you know? Um, so as a proud mom, I'm always grateful when I have that opportunity to like share that, to confirm that. Well, I am so grateful because, uh, I told Adam this, but I've wanted to get him on Don't Tell My Mother as the live show for like five years. So the fact that we are together today is just, it's, it's on my bucket list and (laughs) it's just a joy. And it's like, you gave me a gift, you know, both of you. Oh, well, thank you. The gift was truly sharing this time together. Will you guys take us out? Yes. Yes. If it's not one thing, it's it's your your mother. mother. Happy Mother's Day, friends. Hope you had a great time. If you liked what you heard, subscribe to Don't Tell My Mother everywhere you get your podcasts and follow us on Instagram at Don't Tell My Mother. I love Adam. I love Kelly. I love you guys. Our moms know how to push our buttons because they're the ones who installed them. Don't Tell My Mother is created, hosted, and executive produced by Nikki Levy, my daughter. The show is executive produced by John Cryer. Oh my God, I love him. And Lisa Joyner and Jody Zuckerman-Weiner at Discam Sushi. Our producer is Liza Glukoft. Co-producer, Andrew Condon. Mixed and edited by Donovan Bullen. Theme song by Donovan Bullen and Joe McKenzie. Distributed by Acast. Now go call your mothers. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.